Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Good morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's time to wake up. <laughs> It's five, and we're live. Oh, is this thing on? I don't care. I want him to hear. This is the pregame show, your early morning shot of sports on 95.7 The Game. Yes, sir. Good morning, family. Stephen Lankford on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game, leading you up until 6 o'clock is the morning roast. We'll take you until 10. I mean, where do we want to even start today? Do we want to start with the Giants and the doubleheader ending in turmoil? Do we want to start with the Warriors just not being able to close out games yet again? Do we want to start out with Cole Irvin being the best starter on the A's uh, so far? What do we want to start out with today? You know what? I'm going to make that decision right now. We're going to start off with some Warriors. That's what we're going to talk about uh, to start off the show as they did uh, lose out to the Pelicans on the second half of the back-to-back 108-103. to um, We will get to the Giants and the A's and um, something with the Giants that I did find interesting last night because baseball happens, Right? I mean, it doesn't always happen like that, where you give up six runs in the seventh inning, the final inning of a game. But there was something I've noticed uh, with Giants fans that has completely shifted from last year to this year. Uh, we'll get into that. And the thing that kind of sometimes stinks, that kind of sometimes stinks, <laughs> about that's kind of redundant. Uh, the thing that sucks about doing a 5 a.m. show is... That a lot of times when players like Jimmy Garoppolo go to the media for the first time in the morning, um, normally it comes out after the 5 a.m. So I'm going to regurgitate a little bit on what a lot of hosts were talking about yesterday, but I did just want to share my thoughts on Jimmy Garoppolo um, and his response to all the questions surrounding Trey Lance. So we got a lot to talk about on the show, but as mentioned, we are going to start off with the Warriors here. Backs down, Draymond throws it up top, Lonzo Ball, 30 seconds to go, off a screen, Ball, right side, stops, takes a contested two, swish, with 25.3 to go. And then the game would 
at that point, after a few missed threes and uh, the Michael Mulder missed rebound, mishandling the ball after grabbing the rebound, and then uh, the clear path foul going to Zion, him shooting the two uh, free throws, and then them being able to inbounds the ball and then shoot free throws again. Uh, that's ultimately what put an ending uh, to that game. And really, it was, <laughs> I mean, who'd expect that in the finality of the game where it'd be Draymond and Lonzo going shot for shot because Steph didn't have anything left. And I I think this is a product of um, just the shortened season and the condensed amount of games that they have to play in such a short amount of time. And now the eight-man rotation that they were going out there with, it really came back to bite them when the uh, when the Pelicans were able to put an extra body out there in Steven Adams, who wasn't able to play uh, in the first game. And extra bodies uh, do matter in these situations. You were able to sit Jackson Hayes at that point, put in Steven Adams. Um, you had fresh legs on the floor. The Warriors did not. The Warriors have continued to roll out uh, this eight-man rotation, and we'll get to what Steve Kerr and uh, and and Steph had to say about it um, after the game because I do think they made uh, some interesting comments. But I, I do just want to shout out uh, a couple of guys on the Warriors. Um, Andrew Wiggins being one of them. He scored 26 points on 21 shots yesterday, and he played some great defense to me. On Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram only had 13 points. I don't know what happened to him. Brandon Ingram was this up-and-coming superstar. You know, most improved player of the year. And then with a new coach, Stan Van Gundy, it seems like everything has just kind of gone the other way. It's like he's, it's as if he's just the least improved player at this point. Not sure what happened uh, with Brandon Ingram, but... I do think that Andrew Wiggins was playing some solid defense on him. And in this time when the Warriors are as fatigued as, as as they've been, I do think that the minutes that Andrew Wiggins has been putting out there has been, um, they, they've been effective. They've been impactful. I do feel like with Wiggins, you know, I, I, I was hard on him before the All-Star break because we've heard everyone nationally say that this is who Andrew Wiggins is. He's the guy that's going to be going out there for three to four weeks, going to be putting up some great numbers, and then after that kind of goes into a lull because he he, he gets tired or unmotivated, whatever it is. And then we saw it before the All-Star break, and all we heard was this is the Andrew Wiggins experience. But really, in the second half of this season, I haven't really seen him let up. Sure, he's had a couple of uh, inefficient scoring nights, which is uh, bound to happen with players that are playing as much as he does, but he's continued to play terrific defense, and really, I think he was a huge reason as to why uh, the Warriors were even in that game yesterday. And, and you know, <laughs> overall, they managed to put a stop to Zion Williamson as best as he can, um, because how are I mean you you stop Zion Williamson you you hold him to twenty three points that's a pretty damn good night if you're holding Zion Williamson to twenty three points and the de- defense of Wiggins as well as Draymond is what caused that but I want to know from you at triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero that's the text line and the phone number we're talking about this eight man rotation and a big topic of today 
will be whether they should add another player to this roster. They don't really play Nico Mannion anymore. It doesn't seem like Nico Mannion is just NBA ready. Eric Paschal is still out. Kelly Oubre, most likely not going to play uh, for the rest of the season. And Alan Smilagic, uh is is unplayable as well. You only play those guys, um, him and Mannion, that is, in garbage time. But I want to know from you at 888-957-9570, do you want to see them add another player to the roster? Because you may be wondering, well, what happened to GP2? What happened to Gary Payton being on the floor? Gary Payton the second. Well, he was on a 10-day contract. Then the Warriors signed him to a second 10-day contract. Then that second 10-day expired before the road trip. And the reason that they're not paying uh, yet again for another 10-day contract is because of the luxury tax. And this is something that we talked about before the season. You know, we were so uh, proud you know, that Joe Lacob is willing to spend the money, willing to go into the luxury tax to get a guy like Kelly Oubre. It doesn't matter. They want to bring in the best players available. But at this point, it, it, it even if you bring somebody in, and the reason they didn't pay Gary Payton is because that luxury tax will increase. So, you know, you got six games left in the season. You also got the play-in game coming up. You run the risk of just wasting even more money when you got to go into next year already having to add players. So I want to know from you, is it worth it to add another player here uh, in the final stretch of this six games? 888-957-9570. We'll see who the options are uh, as the as the days come by, but... You know, we got another game coming up tomorrow night. I wonder if they're going to add somebody before them, but I want to know from you if you think they should, if you think that it would be worth it, or do you think that they should just continue to roll out the eight-man rotation? This is how it played out. The Kelly Oubre injury, unfortunate. Eric Paschal hasn't come back. Uh, it's it's kind of been hidden under wraps, by the way, the Eric Paschal injury. You know, it's it's all it it's been feeling like for two weeks that he's close to coming back, but he still hasn't. It's just been unfortunate what's going on with the injury. So triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. I want to know from you if you feel like they should add another player. Uh, but Steve Kerr talked about the eight man rotation and whether it's sustainable going forward for the season. Well, it doesn't matter if it is or not. It's uh, you, all you can do is play, you know, with the guys who are here. As I said, I'm I'm really really proud of the group. I mean, you got guys uh, just putting everything out there on the line night after night being so shorthanded it does put a lot of pressure you know on on those guys but it's the way it is so uh, they've just got to keep going and he it sounds like they're at a point now where they just don't feel like there are many other options when Kerr was asked if they should add another player if they can add another player he just said we'll see Quote, I'll talk to Bob Myers about that when we get back and then Curry uh, followed up saying if it makes sense then and he can help us, then absolutely uh, they should add another player. But you do run the risk of just spending even more money when this year you've had you know limited capacity crowds at Chase Center, uh, losing revenue due to the pandemic, and also going into this season in 2021. It's tough. It's tough to pay for these players. And I just personally, this year, with the way it shakes down, 
I kind of look at it the same as the 49ers season last season. Everyone was trying to think of some sort of solution for the 49ers team and what they could do to maybe bolster their roster. But really, at that point in the year, when they had more injured players than... Man, I I don't even remember the milestone, but they were just as injured as any team had ever been before. You just got to chalk it up to bad luck at some point. Right? You could chalk this one up, I think, for the same thing. With six games down left in the season, if Kelly Oubre and Eric Paschal were healthy... We could be looking at a completely uh, different type of team. Last night, they clearly needed fresh legs. Uh, Steph scored 24 in the first half, and then he only scored 13 in the second half, and he did this um, on a total of 31 shots, which is just very uncharacteristic uh, of Steph. And when he was asked about the short rotation, uh, Steph talked about it and just said, look, this season's been tough. It is what it is. It's what we have available. And, you know, you can kind of nitpick or like circle certain stretches of games where it seems like we're tired or games where small ball does play to our advantage. Look at our full body of work. It's, you know, again, it is what it is. And we have to find ways to win. So tonight was a tough one. You know, they made plays. I got, I got cold in the third and fourth quarter and got some pretty good looks and that kind of make or miss situation just went in their, their favor tonight. So. You know, it would have been nice to, to finish off the road trip with a win, but uh, we got to rejuvenate and overcome that, that short rotation for Thursday because it's going to be the same thing. Well, you got two straight games against the Thunder starting tomorrow. And the Thunder are one of those teams who uh, have seemed to be tanking for a majority of the season. Then you got the Jazz and the Suns, then the Pelicans and the Grizzlies. That's how the uh, six games, uh, the six games are shaking out for the rest of the year. Um, and I do think that the fact that Steph is fatigued even after taking a season off just goes to show how crazy this season has been for him and the schedule. The fact that these guys are sometimes playing, you know, six, seven games in nine to ten days, it's a lot of games in a condensed amount of time. And the fact that Steph had an entire year off to go to this year, I think it's a testament to how hard he's been working this year to put up the numbers that he's been putting up because... Right now, when you look at these teams that were deep in the playoffs last year and you're seeing the uh, them kind of going into a lull, not looking exactly like the same team as last year, I think we can look at this condensed schedule and we can attribute that to the fatigue on these teams. But Steph didn't have an entire year last year, so I just think that... What he's been doing this season, the fact that he's, uh, you know, been uh, cold to close out some of these games as of late and just looking tired, I think it's just a testament to how hard he's worked uh, for the majority of the year. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero is the text line and the phone number, of course, if you want to weigh in on anything today. But coming up next, we had the Giants doubleheader that ended in heartbreak plus the A's best starting pitcher is Cole Irvin? We'll get to all that on the other side. Steven Lankford on the pregame show. 95.7 The Game.
This has to be a strike if you're Chassin. It is, and it's high. And deep out of here. Belt with a grand slam, and it's 9-0 Giants. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. Well, that was a high point of yesterday. That was a high point. Credit to NBC Sports uh, Bay Area for that audio. In game one of a doubleheader, <laughs> the Giants. Oh, my goodness. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. Putting up 10 runs in the first inning. That's the type of thing that you just don't see ever from the Giants. However, you remember the doubleheader against the Rockies? I mean, it was It was last year. And Brandon Crawford just absolutely uh, went off, or excuse me, two years ago. And Brandon Crawford like went off for, I think, I think he had like ten RBIs total in that in that game, and or in those two games. And you know, it was just a it, it was just a massacre uh, against the Rockies. But uh, that first game was not pretty. It was really over before it started. Um, Brandon Belt with a home run in the first inning of both games which hadn't been done since Willie Mays, which is pretty crazy. Um, but that was the high point. And you know what? The win isn't even worth talking about because that loss in the second game uh, was absolutely brutal when they had a 6-2 lead going into the seventh inning. And I know that a lot of people aren't big fans of the seventh inning doubleheaders, but it doesn't matter which inning it is. You are going to have some sort of drama in the final half inning. Driven to right and gone. So the Rockies with a walk off to gain a split in this doubleheader. When the Giants had a nice enough lead in the seventh where you can sit back and relax, but you can't do that at Coors Field. Charlie Blackman to cap off the six-run inning with an eight-pitch at-bat off of Camilo Duvall, a three-run home run with a couple of runners on base. And look, these games happen, right? These games, like, that's... you're Whenever these relievers come in and the bullpen gives up a bunch of runs, it happens. Now, does it always happen in the final half of an inning, the bottom half of an inning? No. But out of a 162-game season, you are bound to have some sort of outcome that resembles this one. Now, the key is to not have any game like this ever again going forward. And, you know, Duvall was getting a lot of criticism yesterday. And I'll get to what Gabe Kabler had to say about him in just a second. But, you know, Duvall's young. He's going to go through some adversity, and he didn't come into the best situation uh, that Jake McGee had left him. And I'll, I'll tell you this, Jake McGee is not missing any bats. He's not missing any bats right now. And when he first came in, I, I got to be honest, I was, I was shocked at the fact that nobody could seem to get a hit off of this dude. You know, I mean, he was sure he was locating his fastball and, you know, throwing it uh, painting the black 95, 96 miles an hour consistently. But in the past five games, he's given up four earned runs 
on seven hits and three home runs. He's really not missing any bats right now, and that goes back uh, to the middle of the month um, in Miami. And it's not like he's Mariano Rivera, where you could just throw one pitch and it's absolutely going to fool every hitter. Sure, his fastball has some movement on it, but at some point, you know, when you have pitched against teams uh, like Colorado before, you're not going to fool them again. And that's really where, um, and, and at first, that's what I thought was the effect with Tyler Rogers because he'd been playing a lot of these teams uh, in the West all of last year. And so they'd gotten a good grasp on uh, on how Tyler Roger pitches, and they were able to cap off on him last season. And this season, um, it's been a little different. But I feel like it's kind of that Jake McGee effect where if you play him for a second time, then you're bound to get some hits off of him because he's only throwing the fastball. You know, and, and there's a couple of games where he was throwing the slider just as much as he was throwing the fastball, but he's primarily a number one pitcher, right? Where he's just going to throw the fastball, try and blow it by you. That's why they call him cheese in the first place. Um, so I don't know what's up with Jake McGee right now. Gabe Kapler is just saying he's not at his best. I don't know if it's location problems. I don't know if it's just hitters figuring him out, but it seems like it's kind of a little bit of both. You know, if you're going to fill the drink, uh, the fill the cup with a combination of ingredients to fill up the Jake McGee cup of whatever you want to call it, it's not missing many bats and not locating his pitches like he used to. I tried coming up with an analogy there on the spot, a metaphor. It didn't work out at all. But you get where I'm coming from here. It's kind of a mix of everything uh, with McGee. And I don't know if they need to keep rolling him out there. Um, in, in not, It wasn't even a save situation yesterday because they were up by four. But I don't know if they need to keep rolling him out there uh, really when they don't need to because you have seen that um, in, in some of these games where they're not even he's not even in a save situation. They're just bringing him in to bring in uh, a left-handed pitcher. But he didn't do Camilo Duvall uh, any favors, and Duvall was the one who gave up the three-run home run last night. And here's Gabe Kapler after the game uh, just talking about Camilo Duvall's outing. Uh, I just wanted to start with, uh, with what a great job Duvall just did for us. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to miss the fact that, of course, um, he ended up getting beat on a slider to one of, uh, one of the better hitters in this division. Uh, but I was really proud of the work that he did. We asked him to come in and throw strikes, control the running game, stay composed, execute two pitches. That's all he did. Came in through a high velocity fastball in the zone, filled it up, um, through slider after slider that were difficult pitches to lay off and, uh, obviously, that was a very difficult loss to swallow. Um, and in particular, you know, you're going to have a young man that is is feeling like he's responsible for it. And he's not responsible for that loss. Uh, he, he did everything that we, we could possibly ask of him. And I'm proud of the work that he did. And I just wanted to share that before we, we open it up and get started here. And so, Duvall, look. Having a manager like Gabe Kapler in these situations is a good thing. He's a young pitcher. Um, who knows if he'll, you know, continue to be on this roster as the, as the minor leagues get going. Uh, but not all of it is on Duvall. And I'll get to Buster Posey in, in just a second as we move off of this game because 
Look, in that 6-2 win, you're seeing the Giants uh, you know, get runs in a variety of ways um, and with different guys. You know, Steven Duggar and Wilmer Flores were the guys coming through yesterday. Um, it, it could be Brandon Belt <laughs> in the game before. You never really know who's going to be the one to get you the RBIs, but it is up to the bullpen in order to uh, sustain uh, the lead. But they just didn't do that yesterday. Um, but speaking of which, I, I do just want to say, we are not seeing any uh, criticism of Gabe Kapler anymore. And I find that interesting, and I'm not even saying, I'm not sitting here going, yeah, I blame Gabe Kapler for that loss last uh, last night, but I'm saying last year, any time the loss would be pinned on the bullpen, you wouldn't pin it on the bullpen, you wouldn't pin it on the players, you'd pin it on Gabe Kapler, because he came in for Bruce Bochy, Bruce Bochy, the bullpen master, the guy who knows exactly what switches to make and who to bring in and at what time. Gabe Kapler didn't have the best reputation coming over from Philly and the way that he handled the bullpen. And we had, you know, hosts all from Philadelphia come over here, uh, Angelo Cataldi and Howard Eskin, uh, talk a bunch of trash about how he handled the bullpen. So that kind of fed into it, and we got really frustrated. But I haven't seen that much this year. I haven't seen that at all, as a matter of fact. And now we're finally at the point where we are pinning the loss on the actual players as opposed to the manager. And I do find that shift uh, in attitude pretty interesting among Giants fans. We're not seeing that anymore. We're just not. Uh, but one guy I do want to talk about uh, before we get to Cole Irvin and just the starts that he's having, uh, I do want to talk about Buster Posey. That was Posey goes the other way. This is hit well and out of here. Buster Posey with his seventh home run of the season. Now, he didn't play in the second game. Kurt Casale was in his place. But Buster Posey, that was um, that was just some more insurance in that first inning uh, in game one. But listen to this. Buster Posey, he has seven home runs right now. We've gone through 19 games, at least in his 19 games. And before 2021, he'd never hit more than four in his first 20 games in a single season. So, I mean, we're, we're, you know, we're talking about that. We're seeing the Buster Posey of old. It doesn't even seem like we're seeing the old type of Buster Posey. It seems like we're kind of seeing a new and improved one and a guy who can actually get some rest. And listen to this. Listen to these stats from 2019 when he first got started. Right now, right now, he's batting 359 with... Seven home runs and 10 RBIs, okay? But last year, uh, excuse me, in 2019, in his first 19 games, he was batting 200, didn't have any home runs at all. He had 11 hits, but it was on 52 at 55 at bats with seven walks and only one RBI and 12 strikeouts. So clearly, Buster Posey is seeing the ball just as well uh, as anybody right now on the team. And I, I think that I, maybe it's just the fact that he could be on, uh, you know, he could be his last year ever in Major League Baseball, depending on what happens with the contract. Uh, but continuing to see Buster Posey have success and the fact that he's hit seven home runs through his 19 games played, uh, that is pretty insane. All right. I do want to get to Cole Irvin here because Cole Irvin has just been absolutely lights out. And I'm not going to say 
and of course is the starting pitcher for the A's. I'm not going to say that I'm the reason as to why Cole Irvin's having this tremendous uh, stretch here. But I will mention this, and it was this is where I first really started taking notice of how well he's been pitching in uh, the last couple of games. But the first two starts, he gave up eight earned runs total. Now, sure, the two games were against Houston. It's against a tough lineup, and you're Cole Irvin coming in there. It's your third year in the league. Um, it's a tough outing, tough lineup to face. But I saw him go up against Casey Mize uh, in Detroit, I think, or uh, against Detroit in Oakland a couple of Saturdays ago. And he only gave up four hits, didn't give up an earned run, and uh, struck out six. But last night, he gave the A's eight innings pitched, only gave up one run. Cole Irvin has been fantastic so far in this stretch. And doing that against a Blue Jays team, getting the 4-1 to victory... Um, you know, even though the A's have uh, been hampered by injuries at some points, you know, with Matt Olson being out for uh, a few games after that stretch, uh, after that winning streak, um, now that Jesus Lazardo is on the 10-day IL due to, you know, his hairline uh, fracture in his pinky finger because of playing a video game. But Cole Irvin has just been a joy to watch, I think, if you're an A's fan. And when he gives the longest outing out of any starting pitchers so far this season, and you do it against that Blue Jays lineup, I mean, there might be something there with Cole Irvin. It could just be uh, a hot stretch, but pay attention to him if it, if you're an A's fan. He's, I mean, he's been he's been great. He's been great so far. From the 408, how about the F. Altuve chance yesterday in New York? I mean, they were giving it to him. They were giving it to him yesterday. It was pretty cool what they did with the broadcast. You know, they had, it was May the 4th, so they had the Star Wars stuff. And, you know, they had, uh, what, what, Tim Kirchin is Yoda, which is just my favorite thing ever because I think Tim Kirchin is one of the most lovable people in sports media. When you put a Yoda mask on him, the fact that he's a legend and he's just so well respected, and now he's going out there uh, in a Yoda mask, giving his favorite force plays on May the 4th be with you. I like the fact that baseball is trying to take advantage uh, of these themed days. But, yeah, that Yankees and Astros game, I think John Carlos Stan had his first four-hit game of the year uh, yesterday. Pretty insane, though, with all the chanting and everything because Yankees fans uh, had been waiting for that. 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number. Uh, if you want to weigh in on anything today, we will get back to the Warriors and we'll recap a little bit of baseball. But coming up next, I didn't get a chance to talk about um, Jimmy Garoppolo and his media appearances for the first time since Trey Lance was drafted. And I do have some thoughts, and I just want to know from you at 888-957-9570, was this John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan's plan all along? Was this John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan's plan all along? 888-957-9570. I'll explain what I mean by that next. Stephen Lankford in on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero is the text line and the phone number. Of course, if you want to weigh in 
uh, on anything today. And this is from the 559. And and this is something that is uh, controversial about myself. And you don't hear me, especially when it comes to uh, when it comes to baseball. You don't hear me talk too much uh, about records because the five five nine, the A's record. Re- hang on, the A's have the best. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and I'm gonna try and redo your words here because you texted a little too quick. You're emotional right now, and I can tell that you're excited. But you're saying the A's have the best record in baseball as of today. Let's celebrate that. And then look, here's my thing. The Giants currently bolster the best record in the National League at 18 and 12. The A's have the best record in baseball at 19 and 12. The reason that I don't like celebrating records too much is because they're 19 and 12. It's 31 games into the season. You got 131 more of these things. It's going to completely change. We could celebrate how good the team has been, but the fact that, you know, the Giants, they bolster the be- the best record in the National League. I'm not going off on that. I'm going off on the trends that's happening so far, and that is the fact that Buster Posey's hitting as well as he's hit before. The fact that the bullpen with Jake McGee, it seems to be kind of on a downslope at this point. And the A's, of course, they have the best record in baseball. They went on like a... 80-game win streak to start out the season in the first 15 games. Of course, they have the best record in baseball right now. I like to look at the trends as to what's happening with the teams. I don't like to pay attention to records when it comes to baseball at some at this point in the season. You know, it, that, that's just me, though. It, it's, it's not like I'm saying that's how you have to think. I'm not saying that you are... Like, I'm not attacking you for celebrating it. But me, personally, I've... You know, you could celebrate a best record in baseball, but it could be gone. It could be gone in two games. Because they do have a 19 and 12 record right now, but Boston's at 18 and 12, right? I mean, it could end up that Boston gets their win next, then they're 19 and 12, then the A's possibly lose, then they're 18 and 13, then all of a sudden they don't have the best record in baseball. Then I kind of wasted five minutes just celebrating uh, the best record. Like, you know what I mean? It's just baseball's so long for me. That I just don't like celebrating records at this point in the year. I just like looking at the trends of the teams and how they're going uh, at this point in the season. And right now, what I'm celebrating with the A's is the fact that Cole Irvin just appears to be lights out, giving the longest start for an A's starting pitcher this season with eight innings pitch going up against that Blue Jays lineup, which is not easy to go against. It's really not. So, you know, it's a good thing they got the win yesterday, but I think what's, uh, what stood out to me was just the fact that Cole Irvin continues to be lights out. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to take, look, I'm not trying to take any uh, credit for it, but, you know, ever since I went to go see him live pitch against Casey Mize against the Detroit Tigers, uh, he's just been their best starter since then. All right, I'm just kidding. That's not that's not me. I did that thing two years ago where Marcus Simeon was, uh, on a, uh, was on a total slump when it comes to hitting home runs. And then, all of a sudden, he hit a home run the night after I talked about it, and I gave myself the credit, and that's kind of what I like doing, 5-5-9. Five, five, I, I like you, man. I, I like you. All right. I do want to get to Jimmy Garoppolo here, because what I meant when I asked before the segment, um, when I asked if John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan had this plan all along, it's not like you know they were planning to go to the Super Bowl, lose, then have one of the most injury riddled seasons that we'd ever seen in the in the in the subsequent year. No, that's not what I'm talking about. But when I heard Garoppolo yesterday 
And I heard him speak to the media for the first time when it came to Trey Lance and them drafting a quarterback. Uh, let me just play a couple of the clips for you because um, he was asked about a variety of things. And we know how Garoppolo is. We, we, we understand at this point that he's not going to say anything earth shattering. I mean, listen to what he had to say when he was asked about Kyle Shanahan's comments that we might not be here Sunday. Yeah, I, I know Kyle pretty well. I knew what he was trying to say when he said that. I don't know if he worded it the, the proper way, but I knew what he was trying to say. Uh, it made for definitely made for a good headline. So, you know, nothing there. Nothing there. It's not like that you're going to get a bleach report push notification. You know what I mean? It's not like you're going to get a... Well, there's a tiff in the locker room in the 49ers between Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan. He not only learned under Tom Brady just how to be a professional on the field, but he certainly learned how to say nothing off the field. Let me give you another example. When he was talking about the conversation that he had uh, with Kyle Shanahan on drafting Trey Lance. Well, we were pretty honest with each other. Uh, You know, it's... It's one of those things that he's going to come in here. Uh, I know it's going to be competition between us, like it was with me and Tom when I got drafted to New England. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, like my dad was just saying, all you could ask for is the opportunity. And so once they uh, they said you'll have the opportunity to start this year and, you know, fight it out, I was all for it. Uh, I'm ready for the competition, and that's what we're here for. So, and, and I'm kind of being a conspiracy theorist in, in all of this, but Garoppolo is just your prototypical starting quarterback who has a good attitude about everything, and if he has an off year, you bring in a rookie, he understands how it goes, right? He understands the ebbs and flows of being the starting quarterback of a team, but also not the franchise quarterback of a team. He gets it. But I was just thinking back on, you know, when they did trade for Jimmy Garoppolo and you know, we're talking about how he had this huge interest in Kirk Cousins and, uh, you know, we, we want to bring him in because, you know, Kirk Cousins knows how to best run my offense. And maybe there was a certain I can win right now with this quarterback mentality with Kyle Shanahan uh, when it came to the Kirk Cousins thing. But one similarity that you will find with Garoppolo and also uh, with Cousins It's that the 49ers absolutely could have drafted a quarterback. They absolutely could have um, at the time in 2017. And it obviously, you know, didn't work out. And you got Jimmy Garoppolo as your starter. But when I'm hearing Garoppolo and him speak yesterday and just how cordial he is, he's clearly, um, when he does, you know, say that uh, it doesn't bother him, you know, this is just how the NFL is, it's a business and he understands that he's not necessarily the franchise guy, uh, quote-unquote. But when you talk about these other quarterbacks that Kyle Shanahan is interested in, sure, they may not be the best quarterback, but they're upfront about who they are as people. And when you talk about guys like Kirk Cousins and Jimmy Garoppolo, when it if you don't win at that point with those guys, if you don't if you sign them to a contract and you don't win uh, with those guys within whatever contract you're giving them, then they're the perfect types of guys to mentor the younger quarterback. So I just wonder if Lynch and Shanahan had some sort of feeling at any point that 
you know, in a last resort situation, if the Garoppolo thing doesn't work out and we end up getting to a point where we can draft a quarterback and getting to a place where we can draft a quarterback, well, if we hadn't won anything in that time, at least we have the luxury of being able to draft a younger guy where our starting quarterback is not going to be against it. You're not going to have the same reaction as Aaron Rodgers when the Packers drafted Jordan Love. You know what I mean? You're not going to have that, oh, that took me by surprise. Oh, I don't, I don't like that. I'm, I'm disgruntled. And now you're at the point where Aaron Rodgers is saying that he doesn't even want to stick with the team as long as their GM, Brian Gutekunst, is still the GM in Green Bay. But I just wondered yesterday, after I heard Garoppolo say all that stuff, that's exactly what you want to hear. And that's exactly what you'd want as a head coach. So now, this is the stretch where, for Lynch and Shanahan, uh, maybe they knew that they'd still be around by the time that Garoppolo's uh, contract had ended, and it was going to either get to a point where they give him another contract, and Garoppolo truly is the franchise guy for the Niners, or on the back end, you at least have this starter who can be the type of guy that can groom the young quarterback and also uh, make him into the type of quarterback where you ha- he has the personality traits uh, that you want. You know, and, and, and that's exactly, I think, uh, what the Chiefs had in mind when it came to Alex Smith. You know, if they would have won a Super Bowl with Alex Smith, things would have been a little different. Had the 49ers won with Jimmy Garoppolo, it might have been a little different if they won that Super Bowl uh, in 2019. But look, I think Garoppolo is the perfect type of mentor for him. I think it shows just the kind of guy he is. And when you hear all of this stuff, he constantly mentioned um his uh, his dad in that sound clip, and I'm sorry I didn't uh, credit the sound clip. That was from the uh, the DA show on CBS Sports Radio yesterday. So uh, Garoppolo was on there, and you know he was mentioning his dad and the advice that he's uh, been given. I think Garoppolo is that type of dude who's just an absolute uh, professional and will gladly hand the baton to the younger guy coming in who's trying to take over his spot and become the new uh, franchise guy for the 49ers. So when I heard Garoppolo say that, when I heard Garoppolo spoke out to the media for the first time, and, you know, we're scrambling back here to grab all the sound for the morning roast because we want it to be ready for this show in particular. We had, you know, two and a half hours left in the program. We wanted to make sure we got some Garoppolo stuff. And, you know, it, it sounded exactly like you'd expect with Garoppolo. You know, there's not going to be much controversy. It's just going to be, look, me and Kyle, we're honest with each other. It doesn't sound like he's... It does sound like he's at the point now where he just understands he's in his last year with the team. That's really what it sounded like to me when he was talking about that interview. Because they went on to ask about the Patriots, and, you know, I would play that sound clip, but we only got uh, eight and a half minutes left in the show, and it's just 20 seconds of him pretty much saying, ah, I expected to be a Patriot for life, cracks a little joke, and then just says, ah, I don't know, if the opportunity presents itself and I can go back to New England, then yeah, I, I, I'd go back to New England. But, you know, you never know in the NFL. And just given all the cliches in the world. I, I, I do think, it, you know, even though we do not Garoppolo for all the stuff on the field, he just appears to be a good dude off the field. So I think you can appreciate that uh, at least. So I just wonder, though, you know, Lynch and Shanahan in the beginning when they were looking at quarterbacks. Were they thinking, well, if this guy doesn't work out, at least we'll have a good mentor for uh, a rookie quarterback, whoever we draft? 
or am I just being a conspiracy theorist? Who knows? But hearing Garoppolo speak yesterday, it was just no surprise, as I've mentioned multiple times so far. All right. Let's get back to what happened last night uh, with the Warriors and the Pelicans, shall we? Backs down, Draymond throws it up top, Lonzo Ball. 30 seconds to go, off a screen. Ball, right side, stops, takes a contested two, swish, with 25.3 to go. It was Lonzo and Draymond Green in the closing moments of the fourth quarter, going back and forth, and Draymond, you know, missing the free throw on the and one. (laughs) It's like he's giving that face. You know, I, I do like it. When I, I do enjoy when Draymond is talking trash. I almost just swore. Uh, I do like when he's talking trash. I do like when, you know, he's being loud to the other players and not necessarily to the refs and, and arguing with the refs. But when he's, you know, going back and forth with the opposing team, I love that. But I like it just as much when he's playing the way he's playing and, you know, he knocks down a three. Uh, with just under two minutes left in the game, and he's just giving that stank face to everyone, just being like, yeah, I'm here. But look, Draymond, it, the reason it was Draymond versus Lonzo, Lonzo was clearly on a mission. He was clearly on a mission after scoring, what, seven points on 37 shots or whatever it was uh, yesterday. It was it was 18. It wasn't 37, but you know what I mean. Uh, but it was Lonzo versus Draymond, the competition you didn't expect. And it just came down to the fact that the Warriors are tired, man. They're really tired. And, you know, sure, Kent Bazemore in the final minutes just looked confused. You know, like if you go less than, with less than two minutes left to go in the game, just go to the two-minute mark and then just watch Kent Bazemore on his own. He didn't really look like he knew where he needed to be, whether it was on uh, uh, on defense or on offense. Um, you know, he did knock down a, a, a three in the closing moments, but ultimately... Um, the guy that you need to help close out games is Steph Curry. And, you know, even Steve Kerr uh, at the end of the third quarter, you normally see Steph play all 12 minutes of the third quarter. But instead, Steve Kerr uh, took him out uh, a little earlier than usual. And then so he can put him in in the rest of the fourth quarter. But it didn't really make uh, much of a difference. And I do think that the condensed season, the fact that they've played, you know, this amount of games, what's it been, 66 so far? In this short amount of time, the fact that Steph had a year off last year and he's still uh, a little fatigued down the stretch, Draymond doesn't appear to show any signs of fatigue. Draymond doesn't appear to show any signs of that from last year. He's continuing to keep up the energy, but I do think that the fact that Steph is tired is a testament as to how hard he has worked this season to put up the points that he's putting up, to get up the efficient, um, you know, open looks that he can get because he's moving so much off ball and he's also doing it on defense as well, directing guys. I just think it shows how hard Steph uh, has worked so far this year. And they've only been going out there uh, with an eight-man rotation as of late because before the road trip, um, that's when Gary Payton the second's 10-day contract ended. So... You're not putting in Nico Mannion. You're not putting in Alan Smilagic when the game is on the line and Eric Paschal and Kelly Oubre are hurt so they can't get in. And they go out there with an eight-man rotation. There's not really much uh, they could do. We'll see if they make an addition uh, with another player. But here's Steph just talking about 
how tough this season has been uh, just in terms of fatigue. It's challenging in the sense that we're trying to build chemistry with a brand new team and a lot of young guys and you know, new faces, but the inconsistencies have been tough to, to, to deal with just because of the fluctuations with our roster and injuries and all that. But honestly, like, the, the the condensed schedule hasn't – it's been tough. And, you know, you got to really stay locked in physically and mentally to get through it. And, you know, like I said, everybody's playing the same schedule. So, you know, that is what it is. But, you know, winning, winning basketball games is, is hard whether, you know, you get the job done or not. We put out the same effort tonight, last night, that we do, you know, in years past. It's just you want better results. So that's the mental part that you got to kind of, you know, handle and, and master throughout this season. But – I don't feel like it's any harder than any other season. It's just there's different circumstances and different challenges that present themselves, and you got to be a little bit more proactive uh, in a year like this where you haven't really played the way that you wanted to consistently throughout the season. Now, challenging, he mentions there at the end, it's not been challenging because Steph's just been dominating some of these teams unlike he really ever has. Um, but at this point, uh, in the year when you've just played so many games in such a short amount of time um, and the amount that he's been playing and just how hard he's worked, it is really tough. And, and you could tell uh, that it's starting to weigh in on them a little bit. Will they make another addition? Uh, we'll see. But currently the Warriors are 33-33. and They're in that eighth spot. Uh, they're three and a half games behind the Blazers uh, in the seventh seed. So we'll see if they can maintain that eighth seed. But right now the Grizzlies are 32-32, and 32, um, and the Warriors win that tiebreaker. So uh, let's see if they can remain in that eighth spot. They got a couple of games coming up against the OKC Thunder, um, which are very winnable games, even with an eight-man rotation. So they're getting a much-needed day off today, and they'll be back uh, tomorrow and then also on Saturday. Back-to-backs are tough, man. Back-to-backs are tough uh, in this time. Uh, I just want to get to one positive I found yesterday from the Giants and the Rockies doubleheader because this number astounded me. It doesn't have to do with Brandon Belt. But it has to do with Buster Posey. That was Posey goes the other way. This is hit well. And out of here. Buster Posey with his seventh home run of the season. Now, we are not looking at last night. One thing that stood out is just the fact that we're not using Gabe Kapler as some sort of scapegoat for, scapego- scapegoat for the bullpen's issues. You know, we're actually blaming it on the players this time. We're looking at Jake McGee and we're looking at Camilo Doval. I do find that to be an interesting development uh, with Giants fans. But right now, Buster Posey's hitting 382 with seven home runs and 10 RBIs. And he has seven home runs through 19 games. And according to Sarah Langs, S. Langs on Sports on Twitter, before 2021, he'd never hit more than four in his first 20 games played in a single season. So we're seeing a Buster Posey that we've never seen before, and we're also seeing Giants fans, I think, uh, change their tune a little bit when it comes to Gabe Kapler. I did find that to be um, interesting when I saw the reaction to them losing in the final moments of that game. All right, coming up, Kate Scott, Bonte Hill, and Joe the Butcher Boy Shasky with the morning roast. They're going to be joined by Darrell Wright at 8.15 as they are every Wednesday, and they're going to have right or wrong, which is always fun. And then Jesse Sapolu at 920. So it's going to be a fun show today.